We're back. Welcome to the Eagles Live Podcast. I'm Eagles Insider Dave Spadaro, and we have returned from the bye week with great anticipation and high expectations for the second half of this regular season. The NFC East, as you know, is wide open. Washington leads the way at 5-3 and three and have a bunch of injury concerns. The Eagles right there are game back at 4-4, four and four, and Dallas comes to Lincoln Financial Field in a desperate must-win situation at 3-5. and five. So there are very high stakes in play for Sunday's nationally televised game. The Eagles upped the ante a bit during the bye week by trading for wide receiver Golden Tate. Sending Detroit a third round draft pick in 2019, we'll hear from Tate in an exclusive one-on-one conversation in just a bit here on the Eagles Live podcast. But let's begin with some energy. The voice of the Eagles, Merrill Reese, has been on the microphone for more than 40 Eagles seasons, and he's extremely tuned in to what this rivalry means. The Eagles and Cowboys started playing in 1960, and there have been some incredible moments along the way. Eagles stopped them once. Can they stop them again? Can they stop them again? Here we go, fourth down. They give it to Smith and they stop him again! They stop him again! And this time they can't take it away from the Eagles. The same play. It's Groundhog Day! It's Groundhog Day! They did it again! Second down and ten, the Cowboys with six defensive backs. Jaworski gives off inside, running room, recovery up the right side. The 30, 25, 20, 15, 10, touchdown! Cooper Montgomery! Montgomery explodes on the right side, and the Eagles have scored first, and Wilbert exploded. First and 10 at the Dallas 41. He's back, he steps up, he fires, it's complete. Across the 20, the 10, the 5, touchdown! Jordan Matthews! The Eagles win! The game is over! Jordan Matthews catches the pass from Bradford and takes it home, and the Eagles win in overtime. Lights out. What a finish to an incredible night. Say goodnight, Matthews. Back goes Romo again. He steps up. He hit. It's fumbled. It is picked up. Running with the football is Chris Clemens. 50, 40, 30, 20, 10, 5. Touchdown! The hit by Brian Dawkins, and it was picked up by Chris Clemens, who took it all the way downfield. Chris Clemens for the touchdown. Here is our Merrill Minute as Merrill Reese gets geeked for Sunday night. Intercepted by Allen. Eric Allen down the far sideline, stepped over a man. He's going to give it to Smith, and they stop him again. Touchdown by Rob Carpenter. The Philadelphia Eagles are Super Bowl champions. I am revved up and ready for more football, and I know you are too. I'm watching the Redskins on Sunday, the first place team in the NFC East, they're not that good. And they just got worse because they lost several offensive linemen, among them former first-round draft choice Brandon Sheriff. So I think the Redskins are in real trouble, and the Eagles have a great opportunity. You know, there's an old saying, you are what your record says you are. And from that standpoint, the Eagles are 4-4. Four and four. However, I do believe they are capable of being much better than a 500 football team. In two weeks, they're going to play perhaps the best team in the NFC at their dinky dome, and that's the New Orleans Saints. But you know what? The focus right now is on the Dallas Cowboys. Nobody else. Eagles, Dallas, it doesn't take much to get up for that, and it should be a great Sunday night at the link.
The Eagles an even 4-4 four and four in the first half of the season, and at times it was a frustrating period as the Eagles' lack of consistency hampered any chances of building momentum. I had some time with head coach Doug Peterson to talk about what went right, what went wrong, and what's ahead for the Eagles. Here is Doug Peterson one-on-one. We have eight games to play here, Coach. How do you feel about the team at 4-4? Four and four? First of all, resilient group. You know, for the amount of injuries that have piled up this first half of the season, Amazing. it's incredible that we're sitting here at 4-4. Four and four. And quite frankly, I mean, everybody at the bye could say, hey, we could be undefeated, we could be 0-8, we could be 5-3, and 6-0, whatever it is, but we could be that. Mm-hmm. But I tell you, I feel real good where we're headed, the direction we're going, the way we finished off our London trip was very positive, obviously. And, you know, really looking forward to the next eight games. And none bigger than the one coming up against the Cowboys, a division opponent. You know, we got a, the meat of our schedules coming up. We got all our division games still in front of us, so we get to control a lot of you know what's going to happen down the road. 13 touchdown passes, two interceptions. Carson Wentz in six games. Passer rating through the roof. Offensive line has changed a bunch. Receivers have been in and out. Running backs in and out. He's really taken this team on his back and carried it, has he not? And he wants that, quite frankly. You know, he was disappointed after the Carolina game. He felt like he let the team down. He had the ball in his hand at the end of the game and couldn't make it happen. So I think he took that personal. And it showed in the Jacksonville game, even though we had a couple mishaps to start the game, he really put everybody on his back and says, hey, follow me. That's what you need from a great leader, great competitor, great quarterback in Carson. And man, I'm just looking for great things now down the stretch. O-line has had a lot of injuries. Now, let's be honest, Jason's been a weekly concern. Lane has the knee injury. How do you feel about that group and the emergence of Isaac, who's now the left guard? and Halapolavati Vaitai's played very well. Jason's been in and out a little bit here and there. How do you feel about that group going forward? I'm really, really encouraged by that group. And the reason I say that is I know how Coach Stoutland prepares every person on that roster at offensive line, whether they're the sixth, seventh, eighth guy or our practice squad players, whatever it is, it showed up in the game this past week where, you know, Isaac had to go play tackle for a few snaps and then come back and play guard. And then Big V had to play left tackle, right tackle. Wiz had to go in and play. So we didn't miss a beat. And that's the thing that I think sometimes people misunderstand with our offensive line. Sure, there's going to be injury and we do have injury up front, but the continuity, we did get Jason Peters back in the second half of that game, but the continuity that those guys are playing with right now and the confidence they're playing with really, really gives us a lot of momentum carrying into the next few games. I like the optimism, Coach. I mean, this is the way you've been since day one, and in the face of a lot of high expectations and kind of like, hey, man, this is not going well, this is not going you still really want to keep positive with the team. You have to, and I know on the outside world, everybody wants us to win 50-3. to In the National Football League, that's not going to happen every week, and we started the season with a lot of injury. We didn't have Alshon. We didn't have Carson. Sproles was there for the first week, and then we've missed Sproles. Jason Peters hasn't finished a game this year so far, but we've had guys guys come in and step up and, and make plays. It's been the same on defense with the amount of injuries now in the secondary that have sort of begun to, to pile up. The encouraging thing is, okay, we are four and four. We do have momentum. We feel like too that, that offensively, if we can catch our stride and do the things that we're doing, play ball control, kind of keep away, but still be explosive and score points, it really helps our defense and it keeps them off the field when they are on the field. Attack, we can blitz. I thought red zone defense has been really outstanding all season. NFC's five games remaining in the division. That's huge. That's where the playoff berth is won. You know, five of our next eight games, really our last eight, are all division opponents, and it's right there in front of us. And I think the team really embraced that. They were saying those things after the Jacksonville game, you know, this past week. And, you know, that's also encouraging because they know, they understand, they're smart guys, and they see what's right in front of us. And and we just got to take it one at a time.
after the Eagles returned home from London after that big win against Jacksonville. And with the trade deadline staring them in the face, they made the big move, sending a third-round draft pick to Detroit for wide receiver Golden Tate. It was a bold move for the Eagles, but they think that giving up a high draft pick in 2019 was well worth it for a player as productive as Tate, who has caught 90-plus passes in each of the last four seasons and is on pace for more than 100 catches this year. Tate and I chatted at his locker at the Novacare Complex this week in this press pass one-on-one with Golden Tate. So what happens when you get traded from the mental side? I mean, everything, moving, your whole life gets turned around, doesn't it? Yeah, a lot happens in a short amount of time. And my situation was better than a lot of other people's because I got traded on the team that was going to his bye week. And I think that makes a world of a difference. You know, for me, it happened on Tuesday night. I was here Wednesday morning, physicals, you know, all type of test work to make sure not damaged goods. And then I came straight here and met the trainers, equipment guys, coaches, um, and then I did media, and then I was kind of done until pretty much today. So that was a week ago. What did you do in the interim? So I flew back to Detroit on Wednesday night, got in at 11, spent all day Thursday packing up the house because, you know, I didn't know when we were coming back or if we're coming back. So we own a house there, so I packed up the whole house and got ready to move here. And Eagles did a great job at kind of helping us make that transition with movers and showing us where to stay and you know just been awesome to be honest and so it all happened so quick but if I didn't have the bye week it would have been traded on Tuesday in Philly Tuesday night physicals Wednesday morning maybe media maybe not practice so I'm thankful that we had a bye because I got a chance to dig in on the playbook and I spent a few days already just kind of looking over the material trying to get familiar with it being traded is no joke especially when you have a family it's it's crazy so did you bring your wife and you have children yeah, you brought them out here yeah I have a wife in a nine month Wow, that's a handful. So where do you live? In a hotel right now? Yeah, Yeah. so just an extended stay. My wife is looking at apartments, condos, houses, so. Do you feel like a Philadelphia Eagle yet? Was there a moment, or maybe it hasn't happened, where it's kind of settled in that you're an Eagle? I think today it kind of hit me. Once I got out there with the guys and put on my jersey and you know went out there, that's when it kind of hit me, and it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling. Did you look in the mirror at yourself in an English practice uniform and say, that looks pretty darn good? Oh yeah, I pictured myself as soon as it happened. I was picturing myself and thought it was, was going to be a great fit. My wife likes the colors, so that's good. Then the rest of it's just football. So when you look at this offense and the X's and O's and the terminology, how different is it than other stuff that you've done in your football career? It's really different. And in this case, it's probably going to be tougher than my mind's kind of wrapped around because I'm making this change literally halfway through the season versus you know in college I was going in June or and when I was drafted I was drafted in April and I had you know May and so on to the season but now it's November and this is where things get really intense in NFL football and this is when the most important part of the season starts so me I'm gonna have to really buckle down and really focus on learning the material building the camaraderie learning who these guys are as players and men along with figuring out where to go around the facility you know I think I can do it but it's gonna be a challenge but nothing wrong with it is it refreshing I mean not that things were bad in Detroit but this is a different environment do you look at it like it's a refreshing kind of new start I'm not big on looking back you know there was a decision that was made and sent me here and I don't have any problem with it and I'm excited about the opportunity and can't wait to just get back on the field and play I'm thankful that I came into a great organization because I could have gone to a couple really bad ones. You know, even before I was trader or even trade talks, I'd always heard that this was an incredible city to play for. And this locker room specifically has a bunch of awesome guys. So I'm thankful. 
For those who kind of learn a terminology, they say, you know, it slows me down. I'm thinking too much out there. How do you get past that and make an immediate contribution? I'm hoping that because I'm a year nine guy and I understand general football, you know, there might be some plays I'm kind of hesitant on. But once you say, hut, I'm going to just try to do my job, whether it's right or wrong, 100%. And that's kind of that. I understand how seam routes ran. You know, although it might be called something different or a choice route, I understand a lot of the concepts. So just me, it's just going to be getting the lingo down and signal. So a lot of study time. Yeah, oh yeah. Oh yeah, back in college. Golden, you know you're joining the team during a very special week. It's Dallas Cowboys week. How quickly were you introduced to the idea that there's a rivalry here? Or maybe, I'm sure around the league, people already know it. Yeah, I've seen some very, very physical games. Certainly highlights of Eagles-Cowboys. And you can definitely tell um, the intensity is up a notch. It's a very hard-fought game, regardless of where the game is. But Twitter world has let me know how important this game is. And their fans have tweeted out to me how important this game is as well. But it should be fun to, to step out, out there this weekend and see what it's all about. I think this is going to be my first time ever playing in Lincoln Financial Field. So pretty pumped about that. And then last one, what kind of reaction have you gotten from Eagles fans? They've been incredibly welcoming. Really appreciate the love that they're showing me, that they're as excited as I am to be here. That's why I play the game, for the, the passionate fans, and that's what I feed off. So I'm excited to feed off that energy on Sunday. You know, I've been in a few Ubers already, and each Uber driver's been able to point it out, even though my name is different on there. They've been, hey, you are Golden Tate. And so I love the passion. You tried to go incognito, huh? I did. Didn't work in Philadelphia. No, I didn't, but it's not a bad problem to have. Thanks so much. Yep. How quickly can the Eagles get Tate involved in the offense? It's a topic I discussed with wide receivers coach Gunter Brewer, who has been working closely with Tate all week, getting him ready for the primetime game on Sunday night. He's got a tremendous ability to run after the catch and brings a, a unique set of tools to our toolbox. So it gives us another weapon in a, in a group. Guys get along, it's a good deal. How do you go about getting him integrated quickly? Well, teaching him the offense, and he's been on it since the day he got here and he's really jumped on it. The guys have been great about uh, reaching out, and he knew Nelson before, and so that's always good to have a working relationship for the people that you work with. But we're going to give him as much as he can handle, and he's been in the league for a while, and it's just a language situation right now. So as soon as he gets the language, he knows the routes, he knows the game, so that's not a problem. How early can you tell his aptitude, just his ability? to kind of absorb and, and understand everything quickly? Uh, real quick, when he got here, the first meeting we got a chance to talk some ball. Obviously, he enjoys it and he knows what he's talking about. Been in a lot of different systems under different coordinators, so sometimes that does help because you've been around different things and not just one thing. So call something an apple, it's an orange, and now you just flip over the language and you're fine. Well, we've got strengths in our room all over. You always play to everybody's strength. I think just because uh, people sometimes get labeled or mislabeled, maybe you know, receivers are receivers. You put them out there, they're going to catch the ball, whether inside or outside. Maybe you only saw one skill set because that's what they were asked to do. But I think everybody in our room, we're going to play to their strengths. But our guy can be an inside guy or an outside guy. You've seen Alshon do that. You've seen Jordan Matthews do that. You've seen Nelson do that. And you watch the tape and put on watching this guy, same thing. He moves around when he catches the ball and does something with it. Sometimes it just gets labeled as that guy and run and catch because he does it really well. While we're on the subject of coaches and their evaluation, let's talk to a few more from the Eagles staff. The Eagles entered the season with a different look in the tight end room. Brent Selleck was released and then retired, and Trey Burton moved on to Chicago in free agency. In came second-round draft pick Dallas Goddard, free agent Richard Rodgers, and young veteran Joshua Perkins, who have joined with Zach Ertz to keep the Eagles as dynamic as ever at the position. Tight ends coach Justin Peel chats a bit about his group and how they have fit into the Eagles' offense. 
Justin, you had new faces in the room this year. How's it been for you through eight games? Those guys are doing a good job. You know, they've learned, or the guys that are coming in learning how we do things, they've done a nice job. They picked it up well. They work hard. I mean, it's been great. With the leadership role for Zach, how has he acclimated himself? Has he taken over the room? Yeah, I mean, it's a little bit just because he's been in the system more than anybody else, and he's got a little bit more uh, experience with it. It's always been an open forum in that room, and Zach will answer a lot more questions just because of the experience. But for the most part, it's really always been kind of an open forum. How's Dallas progressed? Dallas done a really good job for us, uh, especially in the last, you know, four, five, six weeks. He's done a real nice job for us. Feel a lot more comfortable out there. I think he's playing faster, so it's been fun to watch. Is it really noticeable when you watch tape? Yeah. Yeah. There's no hesitation. The wheels aren't spinning, so to speak. He's firing off the ball. He's running his routes with confidence, blocking with confidence. So it's been fun to watch. What's Joshua in terms of just meeting? Is he in the meeting rooms with you all the time? Is he running time with the wide receivers also? Uh, How does it work? He's a tight end. Okay. He's a tight end. No, he's in there all the time. Does a really good job. Extremely smart player. Takes really good notes. Goes out there and works hard at practice. Does a real good job on the scout team. And then when given the opportunity, you know, he goes in there and does his job. Don't have to worry about Perk too much because he's so smart. So if something were to happen, just put him right in. And Richard Rodgers has been involved in everything all throughout the year. Yeah, he's in every meeting he can be in. Again, very active in the room. Ask a lot of questions, you know. And that was one of my things with him when he was injured in, in camp was, look, you're going to be in here. You're going to stay involved. We're going to keep you engaged. And he's done a really good job with that. Doesn't show frustration? Doesn't show impatience? Doesn't show it? No, but I'm sure it's there. <laughs> just being a competitor, you know, he wants to be out there on the field just like the rest of the guys. So from what I've been told, he's done a really good job with his rehab and attacking it. So that's good. What do you see when you look at Zach now versus when he came here and even just kind of through the years? Just night and day, really. I mean, he's matured as a person and as a player. He's always been extremely gifted, but he's done a nice job of, you know, translating on the field. You know, I've said this before, the guy works extremely hard. It's very important to him. So that doesn't ever stop with him. You would think with the success he had last year or even the success he's had early on this year that you'd see a day off here and there. It doesn't with that kid. He's all ball all the time, and it's a pleasure to coach. On defense, one of the great stories of the first half of the season was the return of Jordan Hicks at middle linebacker. He played 100% of the snaps in the opening eight games, and he played well with 67 tackles and three quarterback sacks. Linebackers coach Ken Flagel speaks highly of Hicks and what he means to the defense, and Flagel provides a scouting report on the Dallas offensive scheme. Ken, I want to kind of focus on Jordan Hicks and through half season to me he's a really positive story do you look at it that way oh absolutely I just think we function better as a defense when we've got Jordan in the middle and we put a lot on his plate in terms of managing in our game getting us in and out of checks being able to do certain things versus certain formations both him and Nigel are just both super smart and they give us that I guess a mental edge on some of the stuff it allows us to do more from a checks standpoint because he is smart and you never feel like you're overburdening the guy that makes sense how was he just to deal with last year with the injury, offseason with the injury? What kind of demeanor did he show you? Oh, a demeanor to very willingness to get back. I know when we made our run there at the end, I know it was hard on him to sit back. Probably similar to Carson Wentz in his situation. You know, you feel like you're a big part of uh, what's happening and you're seeing the team have success and you're not part of it right then. But Jim did a great job of keeping Jordan involved. You know, Jordan gave us a book report, so to speak, every week on the opponent. Jim had asked him for specific things that he could present to the defense and so Jordan did a great job I think it was smart on Jim's part because it kept Jordan involved with the team felt like he was still a part of it as opposed to being on the outside looking in so again just a you know chomping at the bit to get back get healthy get his body right and uh, get back at it. Was there a point where he really kind of got all the way back physically that you noticed that he was there? 
It really seemed like he didn't skip a beat, and I know with that kind of injury, you skip a lot of beats. Yeah, I think, you know, in training camp, I felt like he was kind of back now. He needed to kind of get his muscle memory back in terms of playing competitive football. But I think physically he was right then. We, as an organization and as a staff, took a very cautious approach with him, which was smart. We are going to kind of, you know, not try to overwork him, let him kind of work his way back into it. But I felt like in training camp that he was healthy again and all the little ticks so to speak, that he had coming in, I think were solved. I think he felt good, felt his body was in shape, and at least, you know, that's what he communicated to me. Sunday night, what kind of challenge will the Cowboys scheme be for your group? Well, they're always a formidable opponent. Uh, I've got a lot of respect for what they do. I think they've got a great collection of talent on offense. You know, it all starts with their run game. I think this running back is one of the top two or three running backs in our game today. Certainly one of the top one or two running backs in our division. So that poses a problem. And again, now that they've added a little bit of help at receiver, they're a good football team. I know that, you know, people are going to say, well, you know, their record doesn't indicate that. Well, you know, I believe we're a good football team and we're sitting here at four and four. So they're going to create challenges for us and it should be a heck of a ball game. You know, two NFC East division teams playing against each other and those games always come down to the wire. Thanks, Ken. Thank you. Let's give the special teams some attention as the Eagles have successfully transitioned to the next generation of the operation with long snapper Rick Lovato, holder and punter Cameron Johnston, and place kicker Jake Elliott working together. Special teams coordinator Dave Phipp dishes here on that operation as well as what he's liked and not liked from his special teams in the first half of the season. Dave, it's not often, it seems, that teams can transition from one operation, which you guys had with Dornbos and Donnie and fill-in-the-blank at kicker, to what you have now. Why has it kind of worked so it seems fairly seamlessly? Yeah, I would say I think the biggest key to all that is those three guys working together. Anytime you have three quality people, which we've been fortunate to have a bunch of quality guys in our room as a snapper, a holder, and a kicker, or snapper, punter, if you have great people, they end up finding a way to work together and make it work. So Why is Cameron seemingly taking that next step? Yeah, I think the key to Cam is, number one, all these guys, they got to have the talent. He's definitely got the talent, but I would say the real key to him is he's ultra competitive and he takes his craft really seriously and he works really hard. He's got a great work ethic and when you add all those things together, I mean, I would say he will just continue to improve. So definitely excited about him. It's fair to say in the spring that there was a bit of inconsistency in his kicking. Would you agree with that, even to the summer? Yeah, no, there's no doubt about it. I think all these young punters, when they're first starting out, are inconsistent or not as consistent as you want. And I think at the same time, what's going on is you're really changing probably a handful of things all at the same time on them, whether it be their operation time or their footwork and the way they hold the ball. And then they got a different snapper and a new form of protection around them. So there's just a lot of moving parts for them early, and I think it takes some time to adjust and get comfortable with everything. How do you kind of evaluate what Rick and what Jake have done through eight games? Yeah, I think these guys have all done a good job. I think all of us can improve. I think, you know, Rick's taken steps forward from where he was a year ago. I think he's done a better job with his short snaps than he was a year ago. But at the same time, can he continue to improve? No question. I would say the same thing for Jake. Obviously, Jake a year ago was clutch. He made all the big kicks, missed some short kicks. 
This year he's probably done a little bit better job on the short kicks. He hasn't done as good a job on the long kicks. Hasn't been in a bunch of clutch situations yet where the kick counted for the game winner, but hopefully down the stretch he'll get an opportunity to do that. So, I mean, I think all of them have had some ups and downs. All of them got things they got to work on. I mean, I'm not disappointed with any of them. How did you evaluate the return game and coverage through eight games? Yeah, I think we've been definitely been better in coverage than we have been in the return game. We got some stuff we got to work on in the return game. Coverage, I think we've been solid for the most part. Our biggest kickoff return really came after a penalty. The biggest thing that we got to eliminate is all the penalties. We've had a lot of penalties, which is really uncharacteristic for us. So we got to clean that up. You lost some key core members, including Trey Burton. Who stepped up into that void? Oh, man, we've got so many guys who've been playing for us. Kamu, obviously, has really done another nice job. I mean, he was a really good player a year ago, but he's continued to play that way and continued to improve with an increased role on defense, so that's positive. But gosh, we got you know a bunch of linebackers. We've had a couple of them were out. Now they're coming back. Nate Gary was out, hopefully on his way back. We had DJ Alexander. We just got him back the last game. We just had a lot of moving parts. Dallas Goddard, tight end, stepped up for us and played well. Perkins stepped up and kind of filled those linebacker roles, and those guys got the job done. So it's just been collective effort from a bunch of different guys. Nobody thinks about the special teams coordinator with all these moving parts, do they? I mean, it's true. When players are injured, it totally impacts you. Yeah, but I always say every one of them affects us. And guys come to me all the time and say, oh, well, it doesn't matter if, you know, he's an offensive lineman. Well, yeah, that's our field goal protection. We only got seven of them, you know. But, I mean, it is amazing that every injury or every personnel decision with the 46-man roster really affects special teams. I'm Eagles linebacker Jordan Hicks. Picked off at midfield. It's Hicks and again. It's Hicks again, his second of the game. And you're listening to the Eagles Live podcast with Dave Spadaro. Okay, that's it from the coaching staff. Time now to hear from franchise quarterback Carson Wentz, who spent part of his bye week hunting and enjoying some downtime for the first time since, well, since before the 2017 season. He had very little downtime after his knee injury last December, so this past week was absolutely beautiful for number 11. Here, Wentz discusses the Dallas defense, the bye week, and the Eagles-Cowboys rivalry. Yeah, a little bit different. You know, overall, they do a lot of similar stuff, but, you know, their starting point is a little bit different. You know, a lot more one-high coverage this year. and But, again, it's the similar players. You know, they still fly around. They got extremely sound players. They're coached well, you can tell. And overall, it's very similar, but just a little different with their starting point and some of their coverages. But the way they play up front and everything, it's very similar. Yeah, like you said, I mean, avoid coming out sluggish. You know, I think over the years, sometimes you come out of bye weeks or long, you know, weekends or like Thursday night games, a little slow and everything. And that's something we've already talked about and, and emphasized for really starting today at practice fast and just coming out fast, coming out swinging right away on Sunday. That'll be big for us. The bye week was great. You know, I think for really the entire team came at a perfect time. You know, middle of the season, couldn't ask for a better bye week than that. And just to be able to get away and refresh my mind, like you said, with the rehab and everything that's been going on uh, last off season, you know, this was a big break for me, both physically and mentally, for sure. For me, I try to not make you know anything ever bigger than it is. You know, at the end of the day, I know the fans and everyone takes this game maybe a little, a little more seriously, a little more aggressively. You could probably call it, but for me, we got a game to win. I try and keep my emotions the same. Definitely excited about it. Anytime we play a Sunday night game on national television, I'm always a little more excited about it. And I'm just adding the fact that it's Dallas, and I know the fans are going to be really, really live and really active. I think it'll be a fun environment. Digging into the X's and O's is Fran Duffy from the Eagle Eye in the Sky podcast as the Eagles get set for this critical NFC East game. 
Dave, one heavyweight battle that you have to watch in this game is going to be in the trenches when the Eagles defense is on the field trying to stop Ezekiel Elliott and this run game. And really, it's going to boil down to Fletcher Cox, the best defensive player for this Eagles team, matched up one-on-one with Zach Martin, the right guard, number 70 for this Dallas Cowboys offensive line. Tyron Smith, his level of play has dropped just a little bit, still an elite player. I think Zach Martin is the best player on that Dallas line. And you're going to see these two guys, Cox and Martin, matched up one-on-one a number of times. These two have fought endless times over the course of the last few seasons. I expect Fletcher Cox to come out on top. He often does when these two face off, but make no mistake, Martin, one of the best guards in the league. He wins with physicality, technique, and athleticism just like Fletcher Cox does. It's going to be really fun to be able to watch them both in the run game and in the pass game. If the Eagles are going to stop Ezekiel Elliott, they're going to need Fletcher Cox to be matched up one-on-one with Martin and win those matchups more often than not. That'll be one battle I'm excited to watch. We talked about it this week on Eagles Game Plan. I'm sure we'll talk about it on the kickoff show here on Sunday night. I'm really excited to dig into this matchup in this game. Finally, Eagles Hall of Famer Brian Westbrook wants to find out who this Eagles team is as the fierce rivalry with the Cowboys resumes on Sunday night. It's Press Pass with B-West. Brian Westbrook, it is Dallas Cowboys week, which means something to people. I imagine on Sunday night, the crowd will be in full lather for the Cowboys coming to Lincoln Financial Field. Was it special for you to play the Cowboys? It was special. I mean, they weren't as good during my time, but everybody knows the Cowboys. Everybody recognizes the star. And here in Philadelphia, there's a strong, long-lived hatred of the Dallas Cowboys. And so for me, I kind of felt it because the fans felt it. And I understood the energy, division game, physical, nasty game. And I think I think this game won't be anything different. The Cowboys are a pretty good team, though. They are three and four. They made the big trade for Amari Cooper. Mm-hmm. So you get a big trade, locker room gets energized, right? There's got to be some serious positive momentum being built by the Cowboys. You know, they're coming off the bye, so they've had a chance to get healthy and get rest, and they'll play a game before we play them. I think that what's going on down there is a resurgence. They go get Amari Cooper. Now they have another threat offensively. Of course, Ezekiel Elliott will be that force. He's going to touch the ball 25, 30 times in a game. The one thing that I have a little concern for us defensively is our ability to contain Dak Prescott. Can we make sure that our D-line plays all their assignments and make sure that we run our lanes, our courses the right way? If we can do that and contain Dak, not allow him to get outside the pocket and run the football, I think we're in a good space. You don't sound as concerned with Dak the passer as you do with Dak the runner. Yeah, now I don't think Dak is going to hurt us with his arm. I'm not as concerned with that. We were blitzing just a little bit with Blake Bortles, and then he started running the football. That makes a defense of coordinator, his play caller, a little bit passive. You don't want to be as aggressive with the blitz because if the quarterback gets behind you or gets through your blitz, then there's no one else there. And that's one thing that Dak Prescott really is predicated on, being able to get outside and affect games with his legs, not so much of his arm. Brian, what do you think of the Eagles at 4-4 four and four heading into the second half of the season? I think we have a lot of room for improvement. But at the same time as I say that, I think we have the players to improve. And it's going to be a hard process. It's going to be some wars that we're going to go through as far as the season goes on. But we have the pedigree. We have the ability to go out there and do those things. Now it's up to the players and coaches. Are you willing to put in what it takes to get to that next level i think we are the season was kind of tell for itself carson looks like he's all the way back you know we've said that a bit as he made progress i just believe he's going to be primed for a huge second half of the season well the most important aspect of this football team is carson's play if carson goes out there and plays at an mvp level he gets a 15 16 touchdowns in the second half of the season then we'll be talking about playoffs and moving forward and how good this football team is this team will go as a quarterback goes now if we're talking about carson is struggling same amount of interceptions as touchdown then we won't be talking about playoffs and so it's all about carson's play and a lot goes into that offensive line 
line play goes into that, play calling, the ability for the receivers to get open, and the running backs as well. And so a lot of different things affect Carson, but it's going to come down to his arm and his ability to get the ball down the field. I'm excited. I feel like the season kind of starts on Sunday night. Well, if you wanted one person to put the weight of your team on, on his shoulders, it's Carson Wentz. 33 touchdowns last year. He has the ability to affect the game. He has the ability to make this team into winners. Just like you see other quarterbacks across the league, Goff, Mahomes, Rodgers, Brady, they have that same ability. Carson is that skilled. Cowboys, Eagles, I'm going to say it, Dallas sucks. They do suck. Dallas does suck. That will do it for this Eagles Live podcast. Thanks to you for joining in. We're back late, late, late on Sunday night with the Eagles Live podcast instant reaction from Lincoln Financial Field. Can the Eagles, well, put a dagger in the Cowboys season? We'll find out then. In the meantime, I'm Eagles insider Dave Spadaro saying thank you for listening. Have yourselves a great Eagles day and fly, Eagles fly. E-A-G-L-E-S!